Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was a long, hard winter, and high school basketball was the only thing in town, the only game in town. This is the 1953 beach team, the Buccaneers, entrant in the state class B 1953 tourney, being held at Minard. And the goal in life was to play in the state tournament. That's no good. Rebound is pulled down underneath by Epson. Coming to you from the vast and windy, wide-open plains of North Dakota, this is the Dakota Ball Podcast, an explorative journey into small-town living and Midwestern dreams of big-time high school basketball. The Glenol and Hebron girls basketball team entered the season needing to replace four of its top six players. Glenol and Hebron, the champions of Region 7 and State for the first time, they are the true Cinderella story of this tournament. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Dakota Ball podcast. I'm your host, James Wallner. This episode is going to be a little shorter and a lot lighter than episode three was. My daughter is in town visiting from Sweden, and so I'm going to take full advantage of that and spend some quality time with her instead of podcasting during my free time. In this episode, we're going to meet a local high school basketball coach, Ashley Viveros, who coaches the girls team in the town of Kildeer, North Dakota, population 800 or so. Kildeer is in Region 7 here in the western part of the state, and I was excited to meet with Ashley because her teams are always a lot of fun to watch. They are always very competitive, talented, and disciplined. They are certainly going to be very competitive this season, and it was a pleasure visiting with Ashley. After that, you can continue to get to know a little bit more about me, the podcaster, as I'm going to share some audio from a North Dakota public radio show named Main Street. A couple years ago, they featured me in a segment about the Medora Cowboy Poetry Gathering. I hope you enjoy that, as the topic of my poetry at that gig does fit the tagline of the Dakota Ball podcast, Life, Love, and Basketball in a Small Town. Well, maybe not basketball, but the life and love is in there. So, without further ado, let's meet Ashley Viveros, coach of the girls' squad at Kildeer, North Dakota. My name is Ashley Viveros. Um, I'm from, well, what I thought was kind of a small town in in Southern California. I'm from a town called La Quinta. I I think there's probably 35,000 people in that town. I came from like a kind of a Catholic, really tight-knit Hispanic family. Um, Basketball is kind of at the center of our family. 
my dad's a basketball coach, my sister's a basketball coach, we all play basketball. What brought you to North Dakota? Well, I, I played two years at a junior college. It's called College of the Desert in Palm Desert, California. So I was playing at a JUCO there. Um, his na- a guy by the name of Steve Glosser, one of my coaches was putting me through an individual workout, and I was you know, doing a shooting workout. Glosser was called to the desert to recruit the, some business students mm-hmm. for, to Dickinson State, uh, but he noticed me. They, I you got recruited. There. I did get recruited there, yeah. I, I do like living in North Dakota. Uh, I guess the thing that keeps me here is the people. Um, there's something about the people. Um, they're kind, they're caring, they're hardworking, and, and I enjoy working with like the students and the people that I work with. So that's kind of my favorite thing about living in North Dakota, just how genuine the people are. <laughs> and the winners, how are you dealing with them? Um, you know, I basically it's not it's not a joke. I don't. People think that you get acclimated, but I'm I have goosebumps all winter long. Like I can lift my sleeve up in any game, and I have goosebumps. It's yeah. very strange, but. Like I said, I like the culture, I like the people here, so I stay. The regionals, how did that go last year? There was only a few points. This past season? This my, pa- um, well, at the regional tournament, the first round, we played Mott Regent, and we played really well that game. I think we ended up uh, beating Mott Regent by 25 or so, yeah. maybe 30. Um, that was one of the best games that we had put together, and then after that, we played Bowman. We ended up losing to them by... I think six or so. It was a pretty close game. And statistically, we did really well against them. Um, basically, the only category they kind of did better than us was was the field goal percentage. Um, and that's part of the game of basketball. you yeah. got to put the ball in the hoop. Well, I, I interviewed Bray Fox uh, recently, the coach of the uh, Glenelg Hebron Lady Bearcats, who, as you very well know, went to state last year. Mm-hmm. And he was mentioning to me that this year, that there's an incredible amount of talent and competition in region. Yeah, I think that Region 7 is one of the most competitive regions. I should say, I would think about half of the teams in the region are going to be dogfighting to get to the, the coveted state tournament. Glen Olin. Um, Bowman brings most of their players back. Mm-hmm. Hazen brings most of their players back. Uh, we we return nine varsity players. Um, Trinity has a couple of strong players coming back. Oh, and, and I can't forget Hedinger Scranton. Hedinger Scranton, I think, is going to be very competitive this year. And um, I think it makes it more exciting when you don't have that one team. Um, and people kind of thought that that was going to be us uh, this past season. But I kind of knew differently. I kind of had a little more respect for the, the other teams that we were competing against. You know, people talk about, were you surprised that Glen Olin went to the state tournament? I wouldn't be surprised in almost any, you know, there's like six teams, as you mentioned. And, yeah, it was kind of like people were calling Glen Olin the, the Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily, I mean, I thought they were really a really good team. I didn't think it was a Cinderella story when I look at when I was looking at the teams, you know, look at my schedule and say, who, who's going to be super competitive? I always look at Glen Olin and say, oh, that's going to be a dogfight. And it is every year, you know. Every year, it, they're, they're a competitive team since Coach Fox has really stepped in. In episode two of this podcast, I interviewed Coach Bray Fox of Glen Olin Hebron. At one point in the interview, we discussed Ashley's team in Kildare, North Dakota. I don't think there's really any any one coach out to get another coach. There are some coaches that do kind of bump heads a little bit more, and like I said, it just kind of creates more of a fun rivalry. I know, I know, Kildare. I haven't been able to beat Ashley and Kildare. She's 
taken it to me three seasons in a row now I just can't get her number when it comes to to playing against her so that's kind of one where I try to prepare myself more and more and yeah she's I tell you what she's she's done some some work in Kildeer she's got those girls playing another level and and yeah, I, I can't, that's one coach that I haven't beat yet in this region, and, and I'm, I'm going to try again this year. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for what he does in, in the players. Um, I think we have a, well, I from my perspective, what I would like to consider a healthy rivalry, mostly because, you know, when both teams step on the floor, it's usually uh, very competitive. It's uh, sometimes physical. And I think it's it's two groups or two programs that really respect the game, uh, but at the same time are, are very competitive on the court, and that kind of makes for a fun environment. And uh, you know, even though we are we are kind of competitive during the season, I absolutely was, was cheering them on, you know, as they made their way to the state tournament because you know, awesome. yeah, it was fun watching them. Um, you know, I always I always enjoy playing the Bearcats. I think it's it's always a, a very high-intensity, fun game, and I love what Coach Fox has, has done with the program, and you can tell that he genuinely cares about his players. Um, so uh, congratulations on their first round at the state tournament. What's, what would you say is the best part and the worst part of coaching? Uh, the best part about coaching is getting to know the individuals um, that will someday become something really special and um, just impacting players. I have a couple of players who I still, you know, they graduated three or four years ago and still will come to me, and that's pretty cool. And I have one player in particular who kind of came from some rough backgrounds, circumstances, uh, whatnot. I I kind of, uh, you know, took her under my wing. Um, She ended up getting a scholarship to play basketball and she she contacts me and, and says that I need to interview you because I'm, they asked me to write a uh, paper about my heritage and you're part of my heritage mm-hmm. and it's just like completely like oh okay you know maybe this platform I can impact some people you can make a difference through basketball and the worst part I think that the biggest challenge sometimes are the things that maybe present a little bit of stress is getting player, parent, and coaching staff, and community all going the same direction. Sure. Sometimes a parent doesn't necessarily agree with decisions and get we're getting pulled, you know, in different directions because I'm preaching teamwork and, you know, mm-hmm. That, that presents problems, and I think that's kind of trust issues, uh, not, not completely trusting in, in me, in, in the culture, in the program. So that's the challenge. I wouldn't say it's like the worst thing in the world, but that's a challenge, just yeah. get it, getting us like a, I don't know, like a herd of cattle all going in the same direction, sure. uh, because when you have you know everybody going in the same direction, it's pretty powerful. I'll just mention to our listeners the mascot for Kildare is you call the girls cowgirls or cowboys? The cowboys, yeah. It's all co- I was just thinking of your analogy. <laughs> yeah, we're herding the, herding the cattle. We all got to go in the same direction. We can't be getting pulled in different directions. And that I think that comes down to trust. I think coaches have struggled with that for decades. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. With uh, parents and other community members thinking, you know, everyone kind of wants to coach sort of from the bleachers. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in California, I coached a freshman for two years and... You know, I never really got any parent issues, 
But that's because there was no parents in the stands. Sure. You see, these parents are dedicated to their 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 child they're at every game they travel across the state to every game you know so they're there kind of cool let's all ride this together you're part of that i mean it's not parents and coaches it's not players and coaches it's we're all together so what would you say was your biggest mistake or regret as far as uh, your basketball career or life whatever that you would wish you could get back or i would say that my biggest mistake as a player was early on uh not working hard enough um, I didn't really uh, understand work ethic probably until going into my my senior year at Dickinson State. Um, and also just I can remember um, one time when I was I, I started my sophomore year in, uh, in high school. This was in high school. And I didn't start my junior year, and I wasn't a team player when that happened. A new coach took over, so I wasn't starting anymore. And I think I could have been looking back reflecting I could have been more of a team player I think I, I, I you know complained or pouted about it instead of going out there and working a little bit harder um, as a coach I think my biggest mistakes that I've made early on is is not getting to know the players as individuals see when I first started coaching um, you know I wanted to make sure that they understood that I was the coach and in doing that I kind of put a wall up Mm-hmm. Uh, where I wasn't able to build those relationships that I've built with my players now. Um, so getting to know them as individuals. And then um, now I kind of take pride in it. I could tell you the name of both parents of all my players, what their likes are, their dislikes, um, you know, what their parents do. So I, I kind of take pride in getting to know my players now. I wanted to get Ashley's take on North Dakota people because one of the reoccurring themes I've noticed while working on this podcast is the sense of people in this part of the country being tough and resilient. Yeah, North Dakotans are hardworking. Actually, this is kind of funny. Um, my, one of my friends, she she is a coach at Boise State now, and she's sitting in Minneapolis, and she's at some AAU tournament. And she goes, I'm sitting here watching this game. Do you know this, this, this player from... Uh, Mandan from Bismarck and I'm like and she was like oh yeah they're so good and then I said yeah you got to get those North Dakota girls they're so hard working she's like I know that's what I'm trying to do (laughs) they work so hard when you go to your away games what's what's the toughest gym to go into where do you least like to there's two gyms that are difficult to play in uh, extra difficult Uh, I would say Mont Regent one because it's a small gym and it echoes, and their student section's really good. So um, that's one of the harder gyms. And uh, I think Glen Olin is one of the harder, or Hebron, I think it's. Hebron or Glen Olin? It, I can't remember which one it is. Mm-hmm. Are there bleachers on both sides or just one side? The bleachers were on one side. That's Hebron. Okay, so Hebron is one of the more challenging. And I don't know if that's just personal experience. Like, there's been a lot of games where we've had really not very good performance at the gyms plus the the crowd is usually pretty involved and pretty loud and rambunctious and that's always hard to play against in a gym like that Mm -hmm. you know and when the gyms are smaller it really resonates those are my my two gyms that I think are the most challenging to play in Hebron and and Mont Regent. So would you like to tell us a little bit about your um, returning squad? Okay so we returned nine um, varsity players we graduated six we had a full squad last year. Um, I would say the returning starters, of course, are point guard Sydney Anderson. Um, she, if you've watched her play, she's very competitive. Um, 
and she's kind of like the leader on the floor. Um, she's an extenuation of the coach, I would even venture to say. Um, I know her so well. I've coached her. I was her junior high coach when she was in seventh grade, so she, she really understands what the program is trying to do. She just got back from Australia. She did. Her and Trey just got back from Australia playing basketball. <laughs> yeah, she's had a basketball-filled summer, so it's been really good for her, and she's definitely ready to get going with the season. Um, and she's worked on her shot a lot. That was one of the things she really struggled with, um, you know, just shooting consistency, I would say. There were some games she shot really well and some games she shot poor. Um, but her the consistency of her shot has improved. She went to a couple shooting camps and has really worked on it. Um, Trey Murray, um, every coach in the region knows Trey Murray. She's our kind of 5'11 post player who can also play outside and dribble the ball. Um, you know, she was our top scorer last year. Uh, second leading rebounder behind Sydney. And she is a, she's not quite as vocal, but most of the, most of the time the team turns to her because she's she's a gentle leader. Mm-hmm. Shawnee Hansen, uh, she was our starting two guard last year. Um, she uh, sh- she's continued to work on her shot. That was one of the things that she needed to work on was the consistency of her shot. But she's kind of the point guard behind uh, Sydney as well. She knows how to handle the ball, and she's one of our best defenders. Um, Carly Bang, Carly Bang's five six, five five. She's a small girl, but we'll put her on. Uh, we'll put her on Maggie Fisher if we have to from Bowman, because that's how strong she is. She's a rodeo girl, and she is strong, and f- she's a fierce competitor. Um, and she shot really well this summer, so that's kind of exciting for us, because uh, we've seen glimpses of it last year, and even when she was a freshman. But uh, she shot the ball really well this summer, so that's pretty exciting. Um, one person who's kind of gonna you'll see come into the limelight. Her name uh, is. Cheneth Morlock. Um, she didn't get a whole lot of varsity play uh, last year, but she has developed in the last two summers more than I've ever seen. She has. She when I first met her, she was like four eleven when she was in seventh grade, and now she's she's probably five seven five eight and strong as an ox. And she'll probably, uh, you know, get some some good minutes for us because she's just one of the toughest kids on the floor. I mean, she's up there with Sydney as far as toughness. Hannah Kling. Hannah Kling is uh, our post player, and she, she's her hands have gotten better over the summer. She's able to catch the ball and train. You know, we like to run. So she's, she's making the catches that she needs to make, and she'll probably... She can shoot the ball as well as any of our guards, so she'll kind of play inside out. Uh, Bridget, I just found out that she might be having shoulder surgery. She texted me today, so hopefully we can get that healed before season starts. But she's kind of our 5'11", 6-foot. She's our shooter, um, and she, she's very effective in some of our zone our zone uh, defenses because she gets a lot of deflections. Stina Larson, she's our kind of our tiniest player, um, but makes passes, uh, some of the pa- best passes I've ever seen. So I think we're, we might start transitioning her into giving Sydney rest and keep Shawnee on as a two-guard because she just distributes the ball so well. My last one, Corey Dobitz. And maybe you've heard the name. Oh, you haven't lived here long enough, but Dobitz is kind of a big name in the community. Her brother plays for here for Dickinson State. Uh, football she's an athlete actually most of those girls returning are stellar athletes like pole vaulters cross-country volleyball um Corey, she'll kind of play the four for us she's uh, but she can shoot the ball pretty well she's one of her better shooters but is also um, a, a good rebounder she's a cut type player that that does the little things 
sets a great screen, never misses a box out. Corey will never miss a box out. So all those are the things I love about her. And I think that's my nine returning. And I want to say something to my listeners here. Um, as Ashley was talking about her team, and you're probably not aware of this yourself, but every time you said one of their names, your, your <laughs> face lights up. Because I don't smile. have kids, but they're like my kids. They I call me tell. Mama Bear. <laughs> you're obviously really invested and in really love these kids. I because, do. Uh, I could see it on your face. I can't imagine how it will be when I have my own kids. <laughs> I asked Ashley to share her thoughts about how much time athletes should take off from their sport during the off season. I think that it's healthy to take some time away from any sport, whatever the sport may be. I also think there's something to working hard even when you don't feel like working hard. And, and that was kind of the at our last open gym type thing, what I told the players is, you know, you came here and you worked hard all summer. And that says something about you because most sometimes you don't want to get up and play basketball, but you do it anyways. And there's a difference between being, there's a difference between having fun. And of course we want to have some fun. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between having fun and something being rewarding. And this is rewarding what we're doing here. Was it fun? Every, did we have fun along the way? Yeah, we had fun here and there and everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. But was it fun every second that we did it? No. But it's going to be rewarding. So, yeah, I think that you, you, should, you should definitely take some time, spend time with your family, go to the lake, do all that stuff. Yeah. But I think, do I think you should take a whole summer and just go to the lake? No, not at all. Because we're not going to reap the rewards that you seek if you right. you don't work hard. If you know if you only work hard when you feel like it, nothing's going to get done. I asked Ashley if she had any wacky or funny basketball stories to share, and she kind of knocked it out of the park, at least on the wacky front, when she enlightened me to the existence of something called donkey basketball. Donkey basketball and Kildare, we did that. That was pretty crazy. Donkey basketball. Have yeah, you heard was, of it? No. I never heard of it either until they, you ride a donkey and, you know, the teachers were on a team. No, this was in our gymnasium. And, and, you know, this is like, I think it's towards the end of basketball season. So I'm a little reluctant because I'm like, what are they going to do to the floor? But I guess they, it's pretty safe. So I I agreed to it or whatever. And I, I was on the teacher's team and you ride around on these donkeys and you. If you have to dribble. There's no dribbling. You just try to get them to move, but getting them to move is the hardest part because they just want to stand there. And I'm a shorter person, so I required assistance from other teachers to help me try to get on the donkey, even though they were relatively small. But donkey basketball, I mean, that's a country living at its finest. Many, many thanks to Ashley for taking the time to visit with the Dakota Ball podcast. I'm really looking forward to watching her team again this season, perhaps especially when they play the Glen Ullen Hebron Lady Bearcats. Maybe this season will be the year Bray Fox gets a win over Ashley. Or maybe it won't be. Either way, it's going to be exciting, and I'm really going to enjoy watching both of these teams battle it out on the court again soon. From the Kilder Cowboys basketball team, we're going to Medora, North Dakota to the Cowboy Poetry Gathering. A couple years ago, I was featured on North Dakota Public Radio on a show called Main Street. Prairie Public Radio has kindly agreed to allow me to share this audio. As I mentioned, my daughter is in town visiting me from Sweden, and using this pre-recorded audio helps me get this episode out quicker so that I can enjoy time with her instead. I hope you enjoy it. tumbling down pledging their love to the 
And now this from the Main Street Radio Show on Prairie Public. This is Main Street on Prairie Public. I'm Doug Hamilton, joined in studio by Merrill Pepcorn. Merrill is uh, closely associated with the Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Medora. He emceed over the Memorial Day weekend, this year's event, and... Uh, He's going to tell us about next year's because it's big. You know, I feel at home out there in Medora with all these old cowboys that are sharing their stories and songs and such because I'm kind of busted up. Like it, They think I got tossed off many a bronc, or as they say out there, fell off your horse. You don't get bucked off a horse. You fall off your horse. But you know, I got injured uh, on motor scooters and falling off my bicycle, but I hobble around just like these old busted-up old cowboys, so they just think I'm one of them. So I feel You're, You fit right in. I feel right at home there. But, you know, the Dakota Cowboy Poetry Gathering is Memorial Day weekend in Medora. And uh, uh, a while back, Doug, when we were just kind of starting this series of performances from the 2015 gathering, you asked a question about, well, does the poetry always follow the same form? Is it, is it always in a specific meter and rhyme? And, and uh, it often is. I forget the, 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 the poetic or the critical term that it's called, but you know what I mean. It's got a certain rhyme and meter to it. But there was a young guy out there, James Walner, who was participating in the poetry gathering for the first time this last Memorial Day weekend. And his poetry, and he warns the audience that it, it doesn't, necessarily rhyme or is in a standard meter. But, you know, if you listen carefully, there is definitely a rhythm. And I think there is a real, maybe even, it's maybe even harder to write like this than uh, when it's really standard, strict rhyming. So I, I thought he was really good and, uh, and a really good writer. We'll tell you a little bit more about him maybe in a minute. Here's James Walner. So like I said, I... Um moved up here about a year and a half ago to North Dakota, and um, I wrote this poem when I first got up here. I was living with a, I will say, older bachelor rancher, renting a bedroom for $5 a night while I was looking for my own home. And where else can you rent a room for $5 a night, right? And I tell you, North Dakotans are one hard-working bunch of of son-of-a-guns. This guy came home. I thought I was working long hours. He came home after I did, and he was up before I was, either gone doing what ranchers do, or he was out shoveling snow. And uh, I couldn't, I didn't have a TV in my room or anything, so I just started writing. So I wrote this poem about a bachelor farmer in North Dakota, I guess. And by the way, my poetry does not rhyme, so don't sit on the edge of your seat waiting for the rhyming word, because it's not going to happen. If it does, it's an accidental rhyme. Each frozen morning now, I wake to see my own breath in front of me, appearing to make a feeble run for it, like a part of this old farmer that wants to flee the scene, but cannot or will not, at least not without her, and so must blush and balk at the door awkwardly like the shy schoolboy he once used to be. And as my frigid, sting-needled fingers fumble in the ignition, my mechanical companion, a chain-smoking, semi-retired Chevy V8, shrugs his old metal shoulders quietly and gives this all a half-hearted morning go, first with a cough-like thud, like a dead bag of seed from a flatbed, and then again and yet again until we both almost reluctantly and somewhat regrettably perk and putter up into a patter of rattle pistons and heart valves firing again, 
accepting finally the hard fact of life after sleep and surrendering to the undeniable human duty of seeing things through to the end. But I know too that in just a few minutes and miles down the road, I'll be back in Hebron, North Dakota, coffee and caffeine maneuvering and mingling my slushy bloodstream, kneading and heating like a clean burning cocktail of whiskey and antifreeze, flirting its way towards my rough stubble of a heart with the seductive sweet talk of a voluptuous youthful notion called hope. And sure enough, even before I roll into Main Street, it happens, as it seems to happen most mornings lately. Unknown whether my rusty escort and I are both ready for the final junkyard, or if this is just the early dawn of our glorious restoration, I crack a broad and long overdue late-life smile, just thinking and just knowing that any given moment and at any given time, I might see her again, I might see her again, I might see her again. Thank you. So this one is about weather. It's a very, very short poem. I think it's about weather. I don't know. This is... Maybe not. These silent flying flakes of soaring falling snow, everywhere I turn and everywhere I go, settle down to ground outside my aging reach. They are everyone I'll never meet. They are everyone I'll never know. Thank you. Those are really interesting yeah. poems, and they're very different from yeah. what my impression of cowboy poetry is. I mean, I yeah. heard voluptuous, youthful notion called hope. Yeah, called hope. Yeah, that voluptuous, youthful notion called hope. Yeah, and so what a what a great writer he is. But you know, he's uh, he's been around. I mean, James was born in California when he was uh, after college. He moved to Sweden for over 20 years. He fell in love with a Swedish girl at college, and they, he moved to Sweden. And then uh, following a divorce, and after his children were grown and are now young adult women, he moved back to the United States, lived in Colorado for a couple of years. But he had trouble finding uh, parking places in Boulder, so he moved to Hebron, North Dakota, <laughs> where the rent was cheaper and uh, he could find a place to park. At, but he's an IT guy. He's a web developer. And that's what's neat about, you know, this modern technology. Got this young, uh, young guy, relatively James, comes back. He's got a career. He's got these skills. And he can do that from Hebron, North Dakota, what he does. And, and in addition to that, writing some wonderful poetry. Well, Merrill, it's been yep. wonderful yep. visiting with you over the past few weeks. Fun with, series. With these yeah. wonderful poets and, and singers. Uh, as, and again, we'll have a real opportunity to yep. indulge our fantasies of, with cowboy poetry. The Dakota Ball Podcast is produced by myself, James Walner, in Hebron, North Dakota. Email address is dakotaballpodcast at gmail.com. Many thanks to Prairie Public Radio for allowing me to use their audio. And as always, keep on dreaming, don't stop believing, walk tall, and please be safe. Drifting along with the tumbling tumbleweeds, I when night has gone, that a new world's born at dawn, I'll keep rolling along. Deep in my heart is a song, here on the range I belong.
troubling tumbleweed I know when night has gone that a new world's born at dawn I'll keep rolling along Deep in my heart is a song Here on the range I belong Drifting along with the tumbling dawn